Come on, praise be to God that gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He holds all victory in his hand, and he freely distributes it to you and I. Would you lift up your hand here today and magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Come on, I feel something breaking in the house of the Lord. If you need victory in your life, I want you to know you can have it today. You can have victory in Jesus today. Hallelujah. Victory in your mind. Victory in your heart. Victory in your body. Victory in your soul here today. Somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. Jesus' wonderful name. Praise God. Praise God. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord on this Sunday afternoon. How many is thankful to be at church today? Amen. Thankful for what we feel. It's good to have all of our guests and our visitors. Amen as well. Let's give them a big ARC welcome. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Psalms chapter 23. And as you're turning there, I'd like to dismiss our Sunday school at this time. Um, we decided to do Sunday school today instead of uh, next week. Normally we take the last Sunday of the month off, but it's Labor Day weekend, and so uh, we're, we're going to do Sunday school today. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And everybody say, God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. We love our Sunday school kids. We love our Sunday school teachers. And uh, thankful for what God's doing in our kids. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. It's good to have Elder and Sister Worley back uh, in the house of the Lord. They were, they were off doing some hard labor on a cruise. Um, and so we just, we just had to pray for them and lift them up. You know, they were just, but it's good to have them back in the house of the Lord. Also good to have Brother Christian back in the house of the Lord. And, uh, you know, I know we mentioned birthdays, but it's Elder Sister Johnson's, I don't mention numbers. Am I okay to mention numbers? 25th birthday. It's her 25th birthday. And so happy birthday to her. And uh, I'm sure she'll appreciate that. Just wish her a happy birthday in Jesus' name. Psalms chapter 23, familiar passage of Scripture. I really felt this in my heart and in my spirit to minister this here today. And uh, as is the custom, anytime I feel like I got something real direct, seems like I fight all of hell to try to even get to the house of the Lord. And so I believe that God's going to speak to us. I believe you can have healing that goes deeper today. Amen. Psalms chapter 23. If you get there, you might start remembering this, even if you've not been around church a whole lot. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will everybody say I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever if you turn over one more book to the book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 14 Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 14 just that one passage of scripture the spirit of man will sustain his infirmity his sickness his weakness his feebleness the spirit of man if I could put it in my own language for you here today the intact spirit or soul of a man will sustain him through anything. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? A spirit that has been wounded, broken, 
bruised, a soul that has been marred, it's very difficult to endure just about anything. So on two sides of this, you got an intact soul, an intact spirit that can bear any infirmity. And on the other side, you've got a wounded spirit that it makes everything more difficult. I love what David wrote in Psalms 23. He restores my soul. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on that subject. He restores my soul. Would you set down your Bibles and pray with me all across this building? Oh, let's lift up our voices. Hallelujah. I believe that today can be an eternity-changing day for somebody. I believe this can be a watermark moment in your life that you leave this building completely different than the way you walked in, that you never have to return to the old version of yourself. Hallelujah. Would you lift up your voice and magnify the Lord all across this building? We worship you. We praise you. Somebody clap and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he restores my soul. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Psalms 23 is one of the most well-known and often quoted scriptures in the entire Bible. In fact, there's many here today that maybe this is your uh, first time in church or maybe you haven't been to church in a little while. Maybe never picked up a Bible. But somewhere, no doubt, in our current culture, whether it be uh, in a movie or some other book, you've probably come across or you've heard it in passing by somebody else. At least the beginning portion of Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Even unbelievers are well acquainted with this passage. It is moved beyond just religious uh, rhetoric, and it has moved into the culture. Amen. It has moved into the society. Some have even got it as decor in their home. They've got it written on their walls right next to live, laugh, love. Or love, laugh, live. Or, you know, if you've got that, please just burn it or something. I don't know. But, amen. We need to change up the home decor. Praise God. Somebody's been, too many people just been shopping at Hobby Lobby. You need to get a new hobby. Praise God. Uh, Amen. But they've got Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, written all over their home. It's a great reminder. It's often read in hospitals. I've read it to people as I pray with them on their deathbed. I've read it to people that uh, are in there, and they're closed in, and they're sick, and they can't get out. And it's a great reminder that God is in control. Amen. I have read it, and we've read it before at funerals. As a reminder that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through grief and hard times, that God has never forsaken us, that God has never left us, and he never will. We read it at weddings to remind those that are about to step into the greatest commitment outside of joining joining Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we read it at those weddings. We read it at baby dedications to remind uh, both the kids that will later maybe watch their baby dedication when they grow up and to remind the parents and the family to never forget who's really in charge. Amen. You might be the parent, but God, who is the shepherd, entrusted you with that child. The poetry and the metaphors in this text are used to help us understand God and our relationship with him better. God is represented as our shepherd. This is very fitting as you read the Bible because you will find out that most of the notable characters in the Bible were shepherds. In fact, it's a motif all the way through Scripture. Amen. We have some of our most famous people being shepherds. Amen. Abram was a shepherd. Amen. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. The Israelite people in Egypt were shepherds. We find David was a shepherd. Amen. This is why he wrote Psalms 23. He had an intimate knowledge. We first find out that Jesus Christ has been born by a couple of shepherds who are in a field. Amen. Being being shepherds is a is a motif in the scriptures. Amen. 
And because of this, anybody in the Bible would have immediately understood David's reference. The Lord is my shepherd. Even Jesus used the idea of a shepherd when referring to himself in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. Amen. Distinguishing himself from hirelings and mediocre shepherds. He wanted everybody to know, I am the good shepherd. And what makes him the good shepherd is his next phrase. It is the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. I want to tell you, the Lord is our shepherd here today. And he gave his life for you, and he gave his life for me. Hallelujah. In this psalm, we see the loving care by which our shepherd is leading. He leads us to rest in green pastures and still waters. Amen. That sounds like paradise to a sheep. Sounds like paradise to me. Amen. Sounds like a vacation. Praise God. And then he starts to relate it to spiritual leading of the shepherd. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through dark places in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. Evil being that which I cannot see, that which is under, underneath. It is a spiritual moving. He said, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are present with me in the midst of it. The, the imagery here, amen, when he says that you restore my soul is just like the parable that Jesus told, amen, of the shepherd that leaves the 99 to go after the one sheep that has gone astray. And he restores that one sheep to the rest of the 99. This is showing us how God restores, that God restores the soul. Even if it's at 99%, he'll bring it all the way up to 100%. I want to remind somebody about the shepherd here today. He'll take your soul if you're operating at 50% and he'll get it back to 100%. I want to tell you how he restores. He'll take 98 and make it 100. 99, make it 100. He'll take 25% and make it 100. He knows how to restore the soul. He is the one that knows how to make that which was broken and make it whole again. He is the good shepherd. Somebody give him praise here today. He knows how to take the, 90, the, the 99 and make it 100. Hallelujah, because he restores our soul. But what is the soul? It's something we talk about in our culture. Amen. It's something we talk about even in church. What is the soul? The soul in the Bible is the whole person with their consciousness, their desires, their emotions. One person put it this way. The soul is the seat of the mind, the will, and the emotions of man. I want to tell you about the soul for a moment here today. Did you know, according to Jeremiah 13 and 17, that the soul can weep? Amen. That you may not be crying with your eyes, but on the inside there's tears flowing down in your soul. Amen. According to Jeremiah 52, souls can be taken captive. Uh, amen. According to Ezekiel, James, Revelation, Psalms, Job, and Leviticus, uh, the soul can die, and ultimately the soul is what will be judged uh, on the other side. And I've got good news for everybody here today that, yes, the soul can be saved. Hallelujah. If you're in church here today, I want to tell you there's nothing more important than your soul getting saved. There's nothing more important, amen, than your soul coming into wholeness and coming into completeness. There's nothing more important that you could ever take care of than to get your soul right with God. Hallelujah. You can have a nice car or you can have a beater with a heater, but if your soul's all right, you're going to be all right you got to get your soul taken care of. Hallelujah. Let me just tell somebody on the outset of this how you take care of your soul. Hallelujah. I'll talk about him restoring the soul here in a minute, but let me tell you how you can take care of your soul. Amen. First and foremost, when they asked Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter came up with the remedy. He said, this is what you got to do if you want restoration in your life. Uh, he said, number one, you got to repent. Everybody say repent. 
you got to repent. That means to turn from sin and turn towards God. I know it's not a popular message, uh, amen, in modern culture. Amen, churches are just talking about being friends with Jesus. Uh, I want to tell you, I hope you can have a friend in Jesus. Uh, but before you ever become friends with Jesus uh, and buddy-buddy with Jesus, uh, you got to repent to Jesus. You got to turn from sin and turn towards God. I, I, I know that people aren't talking about it anymore, but I'll talk about it in the church of the living God. You got to you got to repent. The Bible says it's the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repent shouldn't be a cuss word in the church. It's a good thing. It was a good day when I got to repent of my sins. It was a great day when I got the opportunity to change my soul. Anybody got a testimony? Is anybody thankful for the day that he let you repent? For the day he gave you the opportunity to change? He said repent. Amen. Paul said the gospel is this. Amen. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. In order for you to receive the gospel, you have got to receive the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The death, amen, the Bible, as according to Romans chapter 6, is repentance. That's when you die to your old ways. You die to your old sins. Amen. And then Peter said you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. For the remission, the washing away of all of your sins. Amen. I want to tell you, the Bible says in Romans 6, we are buried with him through baptism. If you want to get it right with your soul, you got to repent. If you want to get it right with your soul, you got to be baptized in Jesus' name, and it washes your soul clean. But he doesn't leave you in the tomb because three days later Jesus got up. And the Bible says that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. Peter said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You die by repentance. You're buried by baptism. And you're resurrected by receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to give him praise here today. That's the gospel message. That's how you get your soul taken care of. Amen. Amen. So God is the one that restores soul, the soul, and this is the avenue. It's the gospel that he uses to restore the soul. Amen. But I want to talk to somebody about your soul for a little while. I wanted to give you the heads up, amen, the 411 on what you got to do for your soul, just in case you say I didn't say it today. I said it. Amen. Proverbs 18 and 14, we read, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, his weakness, his sickness, but a wounded spirit is difficult for anybody to bear. Your soul, your spirit, your inner man can be sorely wounded. Jacob's soul was sorely wounded when he was falsely informed that Joseph died when the truth is his brother sold him as a slave. Joseph's soul was forever marred and marked because his brothers who he thought loved him sold him as a slave. Hannah, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 1 and 10, she wept and she prayed to the Lord out of the bitterness of her soul because she didn't have a child and she wanted a child. Even the most famous story in the Old Testament is the book of Job. Job's soul was wounded because there came a day where he lost everything. And notice this, the devil was behind it all. Ooh, I, didn't, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the devil was behind it all. And Job never heard that side of the story. We've got the benefit. Hindsight is 2020. We read the story of Job, and we can read the conversation of the devil and God and the angels of God. But Job never gets to hear that side of the story. He just gets a witness that shows up and says, the house fell down and the kids are dead. Amen. The enemy showed up, and all of your money's gone. Amen. A fire swept through, and a tempest swept through, and there goes all your camels. And finally, he gets his wife showing up, and she says, has cursed God and die because they were wounded at the soul. Job 10 and 1, this is the way Job described his soul. He said, my soul is weary of my life. He said, I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Amen. His soul was wounded, but it gets worse. Amen. Before it gets better. Amen. In Job 19 and 2, his friends spent several chapters. In fact, the majority of the book of Job is his friends or so-called friends accusing him and kicking him while he's down. 
Amen. You got friends like that? Amen. You maybe don't want to be their friend anymore. Or pull a Job and pray for him. Amen. Pull a Jesus. Pray for those which despitefully use you. Job 19 and 2, he said this. Amen. Speaking to his friends. How long will you vex my soul and break me into pieces with your words? Amen. He was wounded at the soul by the words of his friends. They used their words instead of lifting him up when he was down, to kick him when he was down. Amen. Anybody remember in middle school, grade school, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me? I've just come to let you know that is one of the greatest lies ever told to children. Hallelujah. Because every single person in this building, you've got some wounds in your soul because something somebody said to you. Hallelujah. I've come to talk about here tonight and this afternoon. Amen. It's one of the greatest lies because words have the ability to wound the soul. Amen. Something a friend said to you that they thought was just a joke, something they might have laughed about. Amen. Here you are 20 years later and it still affects you. Something your parents said to you when you were eight years old. Uh, amen. It's still affecting somebody. Amen. And you thought you moved past it. In fact, some of you got your parents, your parents are dead and gone. But what they said all the way when you were three, four, five, six, seven, and eight is still affecting your day-to-day -day life. Uh, there's some people here today, the very addictions you have uh, are the result of some things that people brought into your life. Uh, there's some things that some people scarred your soul with. Uh, amen. There's some addictions that people have because they were they were marred at the very level of their soul. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, amen, you can endure anything if your spirit's intact. Uh, you can endure anything if your soul's intact. Uh, and the devil understands this. Uh, this is why the devil attacks us uh, with such ferocity. Amen. He did it to Job, and he'll do it to you. Uh, he did it, uh, amen, to Joseph, and he'll do it to you. Uh, amen. He did it all the way through the Bible. Uh, he did it when Cain slew his brother Abel. Amen. He affected the soul of Eve and affected the soul of Adam. Uh, amen. Uh, he did it to Noah. Amen. When his son uh, looked upon him. Uh, amen. And it affected an entire lineage. Uh, amen. Because it affected their soul. Amen. I want to tell you, amen, the devil's trying to fight you at the very level of your soul. It's an attempt to break down your spirit. It's an attempt to conquer your soul because the devil knows if I can break down your spiritual side, I can break down your physical side. If I can break down your spiritual side, I can break down your marriage. If I can break down your spiritual side, I can break down your relationship with God. If I can break down your soul, I can get the rest. Can I preach to somebody? You can go through sickness if it's well with your soul. You can go through financial trouble if it's well with your soul. You can go through death and the loss of a loved one if it's well with your soul. You can go through unemployment if it's well with your soul. You can go through a divorce that you didn't choose if it's well with your soul. You can go through people backstabbing you if it's well with your soul. You can go, amen, through just about anything if it's well with your soul. And that's why the devil's fighting you so hard. Uh, this is why he's trying to wound you uh, at the soulish level. <laughs> Hallelujah. When someone has a wounded soul and the devil understands this, it's hard to bear anything. Amen. I, I, I know when I deal with some people, amen, I understand that, that the issue is not really the issue. Hallelujah. Amen, you just deal with people long enough and you realize I'm not dealing with, they might, they might come across as angry, they might come across as distressed, they might come across as addicted, they might come across as all these other things, but that's the fruit, not the root. Amen. If you look back at the root, you'll find out that somewhere along in their lives, uh, amen, the devil utilized, uh, amen, I'm not saying the devil showed up in physical form and did it, but he utilized somebody else that was close to you uh, to wound you at the soul, uh, to break down your spirit, uh, amen, to, to, to get you to question uh, your own resolve, uh, amen. And he tries to use all of those different things uh, so that he might wound the soul, uh, so that that area of brokenness uh, is an area he always has an open door. You work with people long enough and you start finding out, amen, you get anywhere near the brokenness, anywhere near the bruise, and they flinch, and they wince, amen. You know, there's some people that will say some things they don't really mean. Why? Because you got too close to a bruise. Amen. When somebody's wounded at the soul, everything that gets close to that wound comes out of them as bitterness and offense. Hallelujah. 
To a thief, everybody's a thief. To somebody who's wounded, you're always malicious. You're always trying. Because somebody else wounded them, they think you're trying to wound them. Because you might have actually given. I remember this. When I first got saved, somebody would compliment me about something, and I immediately thought they were being sarcastic. Well, I'll be transparent here today. And I immediately would, would snap back at them with a little more sarcasm. And they would come across like, whoa, what just happened? I'll tell you what happened. Uh, amen. That was a wound that I had uh, that hadn't quite yet been healed at the soulish level. Amen. And, and they were genuinely trying to be nice, uh, but I didn't perceive them the right way. Uh, amen. There will be somebody that will come along, uh, amen, with a life raft, and you are drowning. Uh, and then they're trying to throw you a line, uh, but you're so wounded. You see them as a, as a battleship looking to sink you and looking to destroy you. Uh, there's some people you're so wounded that you don't want to come to the house of the Lord. Amen. Because somewhere along the lines you were wounded and you don't see the church as a hospital. You see it like a club. Brother, this ain't a club. This is a hospital. This is where people go to get better, uh, not bitter. Uh, this is where people go to get healed uh, and made whole. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. Have you ever experienced that? If you haven't, brothers and sisters, let him restore your soul today, and you'll see with a new perspective, and you'll see with a new lens. Listen, you get married, and you start realizing as perfect as you thought they were. Hallelujah. They got some wounds in their soul. Amen. There's been many discussions between my wife and I where I said something, and she heard it totally different than how I said it. Well, just look straight ahead, man. Just praise the Lord, Pastor. Amen. You know what it was? It was a disconnect, not because we spoke a different language, but because there was different wounds. I'm about to help somebody's marriage here today. Praise God. I'm about to save myself six weeks of counseling. Amen. I want to tell you, amen, instead of looking like your spouse, like they're the problem, uh, amen, why don't you look on the inside uh, and try to figure out where am I wounded uh, that what they said keeps triggering me uh, instead of just saying, well, that's who I am and that's how I am. Brother, why don't you come to this altar? Why don't you pray through and say, God, help me. Uh, God, restore my soul to where when they say that, it doesn't hurt me anymore. Heal my soul to the place. Place, uh, where when somebody does that, I'm not slighted and I'm not bitter anymore. Oh, somebody lift up your hands all across this house. Come on, I'm, I'm going I'm to talk to somebody. He's going to restore some souls here today. I'm talking about he's going to go under the skin. Uh, he's going to go behind the mask. Uh, he's going to heal some things uh, that nobody else can heal and deliver some things nobody else can deliver. Somebody lift up your hands. Hallelujah. Somebody who's got a wounded soul make you feel like you're the bad guy. Well, it's called gaslighting. Hey, man, the only gaslight I want is in my car, praise God. But they, they, they make you feel like you're the problem. When the truth is, they're the issue. And deep down they know that's a wound and I haven't healed it. You know, when you have a, when you have a wounded soul, you will bleed on people that did not cut you. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And some people think, well, you know what? The problem is my spouse. And so they throw that one away and get another one and find out, no, the new spouse is the problem. They throw that one away and get a new one. No, the new spouse is the problem. And somewhere when they reach about 60, 70 years old, they realize, oh, no, there was a wound in my soul from when I was 13. Listen, I can save you a whole lot of trouble right now if you let God restore your soul today. Amen. I want to tell you, he wants to restore your soul. He, he need, he's looking for it. He died to restore your soul. That's the very reason he endured the cross, for the joy that was set before him. He saw that 2,000 plus years later, there was going to be a person walking to Apostolic Revival Center. Amen. At the end of August in 2023, that had a wound in their soul that no one else could heal, that no else could fix but his nail scarred hands and the blood of Jesus washes it all away amen we need God to heal our soul we need God to restore our soul because if he'll restore our soul we'll start restoring relationships praise God I, maybe this is a little too simple here today the scriptural view of our human makeup is that the body soul and spirit are interconnected they're not separated. There is no division. In fact, 
Hebrews 4.12 is the only thing that tells us how we can ever make a distinction between them. It's the Word of God, amen, that is able to divide asunder soul and spirit, amen. It's interconnected. Every part of you is connected to your soul. I'm coming for somebody here today. And the devil understands this, and he wants to exploit it. Amen, because he, he gets people to think, well, my soul's over here and my body's over here. God doesn't care about what I do with my body. Well, what I put in my body, what I put on my body, uh, amen, what I do with my body, God don't care about that. I want to tell you, God takes the holistic approach. He cares about all of you. And the devil will lie to people and get them to think that somehow my soul's disconnected from my actions and I can do whatever I want with my body. I'm free after all. And they go out and do whatever they want with their body, but they don't realize the devil was taking a knife and stabbing it in the back of their soul when they were just doing something with their body, injecting something, drinking something, having a illicit relationship with somebody. And they think there's nothing wrong with that. But the devil uses this to bring confusion into the life of an individual and especially into the life of a believer uh, to make a human being think uh, that they are individual, amen, that their actions are separate from their soul, uh, amen, uh, that what I do physically does not affect me emotionally uh, and how I live physically doesn't affect me spiritually. Uh, I want to tell you that's a lie uh, and it's the avenue the devil uses to wound uh, your soul. As a consequence of this misunderstanding, we start trying to fight battles in the physical and in the carnal when the truth is they're spiritual in nature. Well, you know what? I just need to pop another pill. My, my anxiety is just creeping up on me. I just need to pop another pill. I need to, I need to, I need to pop some bottles. I need, to, I need to smoke a little more, drink a little more, inject a little more, sleep around a little more. I'm, I didn't come to uh, offend or hurt anybody, but I've come to help somebody restore your soul here today. And, and, and we start thinking, uh, you know what, I've got I've to I've get six weeks of counseling. And I, I, you know what, I probably need to go to a psych ward and I need to get on meds. Uh, amen. And we're trying to, we're trying to deal with a, a spiritual wound. Uh, amen. With physical means. Amen. And we do the same in reverse. Sometimes we think it's spiritual. Can I hit the uh, people that are a little too heavenly minded? They're no earthly good. Amen. They're like, I'm just going to pray about it, Pastor. I'm just, you know, I'm, I gained too much weight and I'm just going to pray about it. No, you need to go to the gym. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to pray about my health. No, you need to start eating different. Amen. Don't try to make a physical problem a spiritual problem. And don't try to make a spiritual problem a physical problem. You got to deal... Is this too plain here today? We've got to let God restore our soul. And if God will restore our soul, we'll be able to handle the rest of our lives. Hey Amen. This is where people start dealing uh, with, with their, they start dealing with their mental issues. And they, they, they go to every counselor and they get no better. Hey Amen. Because there's something spiritual going on. Hallelujah. There's something, there's something deeper. Amen. Can I preach to somebody? We got a new buzzword called self-care. Some people call it retail therapy. Praise God. Lord, deliver us all. You know, self-care, take care of yourself. And this, this generation is all about, it's all about, you know what, you need, a, you need a counselor. And now they've got counselors on the Internet. You need a guru. And you need to follow this person on social media. And you need, you got, everybody got an essential oil lady. If you don't have one, you are one. You're sick, and they're like, here, just put a little bit of this lavanda. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Everybody got somebody, and they're trying to deal with stuff. Amen. That's spiritual, physically. And they're trying to deal with all this other stuff, amen, through self-care. You know, I just need a little me time. No, you need a little prayer time. Pastor, I, I can't make it to church for the 15th week in a row. I just need a little me time. No, brother, you need a little church time. Because your anxiety is not getting any better by skipping church. Hey, I know it's Sunday, but can I treat it like Wednesday night Bible study? You need to come and you need to pray about some things. You need to come to the altar and lift up your hands and let God heal some things. And then when you go on vacation, the anxiety won't go with you and you'll actually enjoy it. You know, I just, I just quit my job because I just need to focus on me for a little bit. 
until the bill collector comes. And you realize you didn't really need to quit your job. What you needed to do is you needed to take a little bit of time out and, 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 and just seek God and have God help you with the burnout in your life. Amen. This idea of self-care. Amen. It, it's not, there's nothing. I'm not saying that's wrong or that's bad. Please don't misunderstand me here today. I think we do need to take care of ourselves as best as we can. Uh, amen. But I, even in the best case scenario, uh, amen, we go to the doctor. And at the best case scenario, the doctor restores our health. At the best case scenario, uh, we go to the employer. And the employer restores our bank account. Amen. Every Friday or every two weeks or once a month. Amen. We go to the therapist and at best case scenario, amen, with all their PhDs, amen, they got more degrees to the thermometer. They've got every, every, every shrink in the world that they've got as their, as, as, as their, as their uh, resources. And at their best, maybe they can restore your mind, although I'm a little questioning on whether or not they'll fully be able to do it. The counselor might be able to restore your marriage for about six months at best case scenario. But if you got a soul wound, it's just going to get broken again. The rehab center might restore your appetite towards the right things and change you from being addicted to the wrong things to being addicted to the right things. The gym might restore your muscles. And after you restore your muscles, the restaurant might, at best case scenario, restore your calories so you can go back to the gym. But I've come to preach to somebody here today that all of that self-care and all all of those things we look to in the world uh, to restore, uh, not one of those uh, can restore your soul. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. The doctor can't restore your soul. The therapist can't restore your soul. The gym can't restore your soul. Working 80 hours a week can't restore your soul. Buying a new boat can't restore your soul. Getting a bigger house can't restore your soul. But I've come to preach to you, he restores my soul. Somebody ought to stand and clap your hands under the good shepherd uh, that has the ability uh, to restore the soul. Come on, somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. He restoreth my soul. And if he restores my soul, I can endure any infirmity. I can endure any sickness. I can endure any hardship because he restored my soul. Somebody lift up your hands all across this building and let's magnify the Lord. Come on. All across this building, somebody needs to pray. You tried all the self-care, and it hadn't fixed your soul. You tried every doctor, like the woman with the issue of blood, but you only got worse. There's some folks who've tried every pill, every prescription, every therapist, and it hasn't restored your soul. But I've come to tell you, the good shepherd named Jesus can restore your soul today. Somebody pray all across this building. Hallelujah. Somebody pray all across this house. Somebody pray all across this house. Come on. God can restore your soul. God can heal the deepest wounds in your life. God can heal your abandonment issues. Amen. At the soul level. God can heal your commitment issues. At the soul level. God can heal the hurt. At the soul level. God can heal your soul. Woo. Feel the Holy Ghost. You know how God can heal your soul? You know how God can heal your soul? Because Genesis informs us this, that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. The soul came from God. And nobody knows how to work on it like the one that created it. Hey, listen, there's, there's all sorts of kind of engineers and mechanics that can fix all sorts of things. But you don't take your car, amen, to just any mechanic. You take it to an auto mechanic. Hallelujah. Just because you got your HVAC certification doesn't mean you can work on my engine. <laughs> amen. You know when you get on a plane and somebody's sick, is there a doctor on the plane? And somebody goes, I am. I've got my doctor in literature. Thanks a lot. You're not the kind of doctor we're asking for. And there's people... 
They're going to all sorts of other doctors and mechanics when the real issue, they need somebody who specializes in the soul. Hey, listen, I know some people that are real faithful to the doctor's office. They're faithful to the, they're faithful to the vitamin store. Amen. They're faithful to their, to their essential oil lady. Praise God. They're faithful to the gym. Hallelujah. They're faithful to their job. Amen. Because they see the value in all of those. But when it comes to God's house, I don't really need that until you do. Until the mask is pulled off. Until you finally are at the breaking point with your spouse and you realize, I need to fix some things. Until your mind's about to crack and break and you realize, I've not let God restore my mind, uh, amen, uh, by his spirit as according to Romans. I, 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 when, until you're finally at the point of burnout and you don't know what it is because you're doing everything else right. You're eating a healthy meal. You're going to bed at the right time. Amen. You're making sure you're reading good books. You're doing everything you can and yet you're still falling apart. I'll tell you why. It's because you need somebody that will restore your soul. And it's God and God alone. I'm done right here. But I want to tell you, God calls us to be holy as he is holy. But that same word holy, like separate, is where we get the word holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Whole, complete. It's the same concept. Amen. God takes the holistic approach. Amen. The gym will fix your body. The doctor will fix your body. Amen. The, the therapist will try to fix your mind. Uh, amen. But none of them touch the soul. God comes in and he converts and he works on the soul. And the Bible says this, Jesus speaking, if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will be clean as well. He's saying if we can fix the soul, we can fix it all. God is not interested in partial work or leaving you incomplete. He addresses every arena of our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says this, And the very God of peace sanctifies you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. That's complete. He sanctifies you, which sanctifies where we get holy. That's holy, holy. Amen. He makes you holy spiritually. And in that, he makes you whole, complete. And he said, I pray that God, your whole spirit, not a little bit of it, not some of it, not 99%. Whole, 100% of your spirit, of your soul, and of your body be preserved. Blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. John said in 3 John 1 and 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I want to tell you, there's some people, the Bible says it this way, and I, I'm just going to say what I feel, that your gift will make room for you and bring you before great people. Your gifting will open the door, but your character will keep you in the door. And if you step in, and how many politicians have we seen? How many good people have we seen get to a certain level in their life and they excel? They're the greatest at their craft. And they fall apart. Why? Because they've prospered, but not in proportion to their soul. But you take anybody that God has sanctified and made complete in the soul, and you put them in any room, and they'll keep excelling. You take a Joseph who will just, he doesn't care what Potiphar's wife says. No, I'm not letting you affect my soul. Amen. You, you find people that have let God touch their soul, amen, and, and heal their soul and complete their soul, and they can keep climbing up in life. Psalms 19 and 7. Pastor, how does God heal my soul? How does he convert my soul? How does, how does he restore my soul? Psalms 19 and 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You get this book, let me tell you. Bible study on Wednesday night. Read your Bible. Well, it's just another religious text. No, it's not. The law of the Lord is so perfect, it will convert your soul. Hallelujah. Well, I'm an addict. You get this word in your life, you won't be an addict for very long. Well, 
That's just how I am. Not for long when you get this word. The Bible says it is the engrafted, engraved word of God that is able to save your soul. Psalms 3 and 1. He said, many are those that are increased around me and trouble me. And they say, there's no help of his soul. There's no help for his soul in God. But when you let God start working on your soul, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. There's no hope for them. I want to tell you, God's the God that helps your soul. He says, uh, you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my hand. Uh, that means you take the soul that's been bowed down and you raise it up. Psalms 41 and 4. He said, Lord, be merciful and heal my soul. Amen. God is able to restore your soul. God is able to convert your soul. God is able to help your soul. And God is able to heal your soul. I'm done right here. Would you lift up your hands? Let's pray. Come on, let's pray all across this building. What wounds have you been carrying? What things did they say when you were little? that you still hold over your head. Maybe they said you're stupid, and so you've lived like that because it's a wound in your soul. Maybe they said you'll never amount to anything, and so all you've done your whole life is prove them right. Amen, I want to tell you that's a wound in the soul. Amen, you try to go through life, but you can't because the wounds that other people put in your soul, that the devil put in your soul, and now it's hard to bear even the week-to-week -week mundane things of life. Today, if you let God heal your soul, convert your soul, restore your soul, you'll be able to endure anything else. In fact, would you come down to the front? Would you empty out your seats? We're going to come pray right now. I'll tell you what's beautiful about this altar. This is an opportunity for you to lift up your hands and to say, God, I want you to bring all the hurt, bring all the pain, and say, God, I want you to heal my soul right now. While I'm preaching, there's some folks that God started revealing to you some deep wounds, some areas where you've still been bitter, and it comes out in other areas. Maybe you were abandoned as a child. Maybe you were abused as a child. Amen. All those areas are affecting everything in your life. But today, if you'll come to the altar and lift up your hands and ask God to help you, even when the devil says there's no help for your soul, I come to rebuke that. He's the God that helps the soul. He's the God that converts the soul. He's the God that heals the soul. He's the God that helps the soul. He's the God who will take your soul and make it whole. Come on, sir. You need God to heal your soul so you can get your marriage fixed. Come on, ma'am. You need God to heal your soul so you can fix, so you can raise those kids right. You need God to heal your soul, young man, so that you can find the right one instead of just getting on the internet late at night. Come on, visitor friend. You need God to heal and to restore your soul. 99 won't do. 98 won't do. I need complete healing. Come on, I feel him healing. I feel him converting. As I preach this word, there's some folks that have recovered themselves from the snare of the devil. As I preach this word, there's some folks that you feel God taking his needle and thread and stitching up your soul and healing it. Come on. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can lift up your hands and God will fill you with his spirit. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by to the Holy do Ghost. Whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, and God will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to.
Come on, lift up your hands all across this building. Right now, amen, he's a master surgeon. He knows where you're wounded. And we try to hide it from other people. We put a nice band-aid over it. We put a nice mask over it. But it comes out in other areas of our life. But right now, would you remove that mask? Would you remove that bandage? Would you show the, show the great physician, the mighty surgeon, where the wound in your soul is and say, God, if you'll fix this, I'll be able to endure everything else in my life. Uh, if you'll fix this, uh, I won't crumble. If you'll fix this.